Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> Joel came home from school disheveled, obviously the result of a fight. His mother was upset. Joel, look at you. Your father and I don't like it when you fight. You remember I told you that when you get mad, you should count to 100 before you do anything. Joel responded, I know, but the other boy's mother only told him to count to 20. <laughs> Sometimes we're like the battered fighter. He heard his trainer say between rounds, champ, you're doing great. He ain't laid a glove on you. The champ says, well, you better keep an eye on the referee then because someone in this ring is beating the daylights out of me. The language of the Bible uses from Ephesians chapter 6, which we're going to read together in just a little bit. It's fighting language. It's not talking about physical fight. It's not third grade and you bloodied the nose of the school bully. It's not talking about when you went to the divorce court and stood before the judge and said all those ugly things. This is talking about the daily battle with temptation. The battle with the powers and principalities of darkness. So we're talking about spiritual warfare today. Have you ever felt like you've been shot emotionally? The doctor says, it's cancer. A friend says, they don't want to see you anymore. Your spouse says, I think we're done. Shot financially. You lose your job. Something breaks that's expensive and you don't have money to fix it. You find yourself in trouble. Or how about shot spiritually? You don't know why, but you're discouraged and you're depressed and you're struggling and it feels like there's a cloud that is encircling you. Your thoughts are foggy and your hope is fading. Now what we tend to do in those moments is we look up to God and we say, hey, God, where are you? I thought you were good and I thought you loved me and I thought you would take care of me and I thought you would provide for me. Why do you hurt me? Why are you opposed to me? Why are you, why are you fighting me? Have, have you ever had those kind of thoughts? People go in all kinds of directions when they find themselves in those moments. You know, maybe there is no God, and maybe God isn't good, or maybe God loves other people, but he doesn't love me, or maybe God isn't that powerful after all. You need to know. I need to know. We all need to know that it's not just us and God. The kids know that. There's a third variable that we absolutely have to factor into everything, and that's Satan and demons. We live in a day when through psychology, through a resistance to the supernatural, people don't even believe in Satan and demons anymore. We turn them into fictitious cartoon characters and mythical parts of our history. The stories we tell and the fairy tales we enjoy and we don't think they're real. 
We don't think that Satan is real and we don't think that demons are real. And so we tend in every time when we're in serious trouble, instead of maybe thinking this might be the devil, we tend to question or blame God while Satan laughs and runs away. This is incredibly important for us. The world is not the way it should be. Not everything that happens is God's will. There is also God's enemy at work, the devil. This doesn't mean that God is not in ultimate control. Of course he is. This doesn't mean that God is not all-powerful. But it does mean that there are forces that are opposed to God's good and gracious will. And if you don't think so, just read the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus and see how he was opposed at every turn. Yet it was he, it was Jesus who taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven because it wasn't being done and it needed to be done. And lead us not into temptation. Now the book of Ephesians talks about your salvation, it talks about your friendships and relationships, it talks about your marriage, it talks about your work life, it talks about your children, it talks about all that God wants for you in your life. Beautiful book. And then it warns you in the last chapter. It warns us that in the midst of our lives, in the midst of all that God wants for us in our lives, there will be opposition. There is a battle raging. There is someone who is opposed to what God wants for you and your life, and that is the devil and his demons. And if you overlook, if you neglect the existence and the war from Satan and demons, it will infect, it will affect, and it will destroy everything God is trying to do in your life and in our church. So, I would like you to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20, out loud with me. Paul's word to his church. Beautiful words as a warning for us today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the super forces evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. It's very clear. There's the church, there is God, and then there's a war against God and his people that is waged by Satan and demons. And I want you to know this. When we read these verses, because we come from a hyper-individualistic cultural background, we tend to read this and think that this is to, to be applied one by one for each of us. That somehow we're supposed to fight the devil on our own. The old King James said, Finally, my brethren, it's plural, and we wrestle, plural. The truth is, we're all soldiers, and no soldier goes into battle alone. It takes an army to win a war. So first thing I want you to realize, stop thinking about fighting Satan or demons of pride of envy, of selfishness, or greed, or gluttony, or addiction, or loneliness, or lust, or sloth, or whatever, all by yourself. No soldier fights a war on his own, on his or her own. Most Christians don't live as if there is spiritual war going on. We live in a therapeutic culture where God is reduced to a life coach who comes along and asks you, hey, what would you like? What do you want? Let me give you some tips and tricks to do a better job, to live for your glory, to be what you want, to get where you want, to do what you want. That's not right. God does not exist to bless you. You exist to serve him. So Paul uses very strong words this is a military word from a commander-in-chief to troops on the ground for what is to come. First, we, we need to know, first of all, we need to know our enemy, the devil's schemes, and our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. People are not the enemy. Let that sink in. People are not the enemy. This truth helps me deal with what I'd call difficult people. People are not the enemy. Satan and demons are our enemy. And the Bible speaks of people as being captives. 
What happens in a war is an overtaking army then enslaves and takes captives the citizens who are conquered. That happened with Adam and Eve when they listened to the devil instead of listening to God. And ever since the human race has been captive to the devil. But we also read in the Bible that in Christ, we who believe have been set free. St. Paul is always encouraging us to not go back to our captivity, not be controlled by the sinful nature, which we heard about in the gospel lesson. It's a struggle, but one we can overcome in Christ and only in him. So our war is not against the captives. Our war is against the captors, Satan and demons. That's why Jesus says very early in his earthly ministry that he has come to set captives free, prisoners free. That's what he's talking about. So our war is not against those who, do, who don't believe as we do. Our war is not against those who would disagree with our biblical faith. Our war is against Satan and demons who have taken people captive to do his will. So we need to know our enemy. Satan was created by God. He's not God. He's not equal to God. He doesn't share all of God's attributes. God can be everywhere. Satan can't. God knows everything. Satan doesn't. God reads your mind and thoughts. Satan can't. Satan is also fallen. He's rebelled against God. He's turned his back on God. He's declared war on God. He's also very powerful as a spiritual being akin to an angel who's turned to the dark side. He's also been observing human history for thousands of years. So he understands how to read people and tempt them. But he can't read your mind and he's been watching and he knows your weakness though. You need to understand this. Satan is the most proud being in the history of creation. That was his downfall. And let me say this. That give you a hint of what to watch out for. Pride. Ever hear this? I don't need to listen to anybody else. I'm smart enough. I don't need to submit to someone else. I can take care of myself. I don't need to follow someone else. I'm the authority in my own life. I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. And Satan will in every way tempt and test your pride. You also need to know that we need to be careful not to make too much of him or too little of him. Some make too little of Satan and demons and try to explain everything away with hormonal conditions, medical conditions, psychological conditions, and biological conditions. They try to have an explanation for everything that omits the spiritual some think, well, Satan and demons, that's very primitive. That's from a bygone era. We've evolved beyond that kind of thinking. And Satan would say, nice job with the pride, thinking you are so much smarter than the ancients. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you think that you've evolved beyond the primitive teachings of the Bible and of Jesus Christ himself. 
Satan is real and we have a real enemy. St. Paul says we wrestle. Now, have any of you wrestled? Remember in high school? I think it was high school. You had to learn how to wrestle Olympic style. The language here is that kind of wrestling. It's hand-to-hand combat. All right, it's where they've got their hands on you and you've got your hands on them and it is in every way a close-quartered, we'd call it, in the clench. If you've ever wrestled like that, it's absolutely exhausting because you can't let up for one minute or you will get thrown or you will get pinned. There's nothing like it. Ministry is like that. Serving Jesus is like that. Preaching the gospel is like that. Growing our church is like that. You take the foot off the pedal for a moment, you take the E out of effort for a moment, you stop praying, and the devil swoops in with all kind of naysaying. This battle isn't occasional, it's constant. Now the good news, know, you know your enemy, but more importantly, know your king. Who do you fight for? You know what? If you don't know whom you fight for, you're probably not going to fight very well. He says it this way in Ephesians uh, 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Who's the Lord? Our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know this. It's his fight. This is his church. This is his book, the spiritual battle. It's his war. It's not yours. It's not mine. We're not the king. It's not our kingdom. We're the servants of the king. We're the soldiers. We labor for a great, glorious, and good and victorious king. The question is, how in the world am I going to live? How are you going to live in the clench? Satan and demons hands on you, exhausting you, trying to destroy your faith, your business, your work, your family, your relationships, your ministry, your church. Let me say this. You're not going to make it for a lifetime. You cannot make it for a lifetime. You can't motivate yourself for a lifetime of war. There's no shortcut to a lifetime of war. You're going to need strength that is beyond you. Strength that is apart from you. And that is what God is reminding you of today in his word. He says, be strong. How? In the strength of his might. Jesus is going to need to give you his strength because yours won't do. You can't serve Jesus for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You can't love your spouse for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You can't be a faithful church member for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You can't be a faithful Christian leader for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. All that St. Paul was talking about in the previous chapters of his letters, you can't do any of it 
without Jesus' strength. It's his war fought by his strength, and this is ultimately the person, the presence, the power of his Holy Spirit working in your lives, who empowered, that same Spirit empowered Jesus against temptation and exhaustion and sickness and opposition and criticism. How Jesus persevered, how he was strong, was by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he sends that same Holy Spirit to us, to empower us. Now, I gotta address the elephant in the room. Don't you think this is kind of odd? God is asking us to fight Satan? That's a little bit of a mismatch. God is asking us to do battle against forces that are far superior than us. He's asking you to do something you cannot do. Come to think of it, isn't that God's way? Think of all the stories in the Bible. Read every story of the Bible. God is always asking his people to do what they can't do on their own. Have you ever felt that way? God, you're asking me to do something I cannot do. Good. Now you're clear on your orders. <laughs> so you look to the Lord Jesus, and that's the point. Look to the Lord Jesus. How am I going to get this done? And Jesus says, by my power. Not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, if God asks you to do something, he always gives the spirit the power to do it. So we need to factor in all these variables. It's not just us and God. Satan and demons are opposed to us. But then Jesus gives us his strength. Once we know all this, we know why it's hard, but we know why we will win. Life starts to make a bit more sense. It is hard, but we are more than conquerors through Christ. I want you to see the Lord Jesus as king and your king, and I want you to know that Jesus defeated the devil and his angels. He crushed the serpent's head. They've been bound but they have not yet been utterly destroyed yet. That will happen on the last day. I want you to see the Lord Jesus come into this battlefield. He left his kingdom and he came to a rebellious earth. I want you to see that he left a place of peace to come to a place of war. And I want you to see that he humbled himself, that God took upon human flesh, and that he in every way faced all that we faced that Satan tempted him, that Satan empowered others to oppose him, that demons were brought against him in the bodies of those who were possessed. I want you to see that the Lord Jesus' life on the earth, it's like a soldier in war. The next time you read the Gospels, don't think of Jesus the therapist, hippie, long-haired Jesus out just having counseling sessions with people. Think of a warrior king out trying to take enemy territory. Religious people, opposition, demons against him. It's a battle and it's exhausted. 
Remember, he fell asleep in a boat during a storm. He was tired. His day off gets interrupted. His life is crashed in upon. That's our king. And then he goes to the cross and he substitutes himself for us. And as a great soldier, he died in the place of his entire kingdom. He dies to win a great victory. See, Satan and demons, they had ownership of us. Through sin, we were their possession, part of their kingdom. Our sinless king dies in our place and he forgives our sins and he conquered Satan and demons and he sets captives free and his seeming defeat was ultimately our victory. Jesus then took us as his possession, made us citizens of his kingdom. And three days later, he rose again, showing he defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil. He ascended into heaven, and today he rules and reigns as king in glory. And he's got a kingdom that never ends, and he's coming again to put down this insurrection once and for all. You and I need to know the whole story to understand our place in it. This is not yet the kingdom of God. This is not yet the promised land. We're marching toward it. Our enemy has been defeated, but he's not yet been destroyed and fully disarmed. There's still firefights and the battle still rages. This is what it means to always be ready, ready to tell the good news so captives may be set free and come to know the Lord Jesus and be citizens of his kingdom. Now you know why God commanded Moses to teach his people the decrees and laws of the Lord and to follow them. Because they were marching where? To the promised land. And it's the word of God, which is how the spirit comes to us and works in us. The word of God. Don't add to it. Don't distract from it. Observe everything. Don't forget it. Don't let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. And teach them to your children and to their children after them. And that is what the church is all about. The word of God teaching and preaching it. We gather around the Word of God, we teach the Word of God, we pass on the Word of God, we put on the full armor of God because it is our greatest weapon we have. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And he said to the devil, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now you know why we make such a big deal of Bible study, of worship, time of prayer. In Acts chapter 242, the early Christians learned this well. Look at that. Don't neglect reading the Bible. Don't neglect coming to church. Don't neglect studying and learning about your Savior. And pray. Never stop praying for all of us because we're all in this battle together. And also pray for us, your teachers, so that we might teach well and fearlessly that you want to hear and you want to learn more 
and more the mysteries of the gospel. Let it be so. Amen.